1: Welcome in on a Wednesday to two guys, Annamike.com. The coach getting the day off, John Cohn, is doing something somewhere with someone not here. Joel Redwanski has three women around him in his bedroom and is taking the day off as well. I'm Mark Carmen sitting in on this Wednesday before Thanksgiving. Happy holidays to everybody. A lot to be thankful, I'm sure, for everybody out there. I know myself included. We're going to do a lot on the show today. We're going to talk some college basketball. We're one of Chicago's very own, Ryan Marks, a longtime basketball coach. He was assistant at Northern Illinois University for six years. Then he went to the Division III Southern Vermont University, where he was able to upgrade himself to Division II St. Edwards University in Austin, Texas, where miraculously he hired me, or at least helped me get hired as their play-by-play voice. And now Ryan is doing great Division One work at the University of Texas Pan-American. It's the man, a Chicago product who deserves some pubs. So we're going to talk to him about college basketball, his team, and everything that's going on throughout the NCAA. We're also going to talk to some NFL. John Crist of the bearreport.com, the Chicago Bear Magazine, outstanding publication. He's going to join us at ten 15. We'll break down everything that's going on with the Chicago Bears. Also coming up at... Uh, 10.30, we're going to do some handicapping. Andrew Greenwell, Andy Grizz, the handicapping whiz is going to be with us. He does a great job uh, as far as breaking down NFL games. Nobody will tell you who's going to win on Thanksgiving Day better. Three games, Green Bay and Detroit, Oakland and Dallas. The Giants and Denver will take a look at the weekend as well. We'll also take a look at the Chicago Cubs, their minor league system. Cubs have a big-time prospect in Starlin Castro, He uh shortstop who... Is 19 years old and hopefully will be arriving at Wrigley Field sometime soon. The Cubs have always had trouble bringing in position players into the fold there. Giovanni Soto had a great rookie year, but last year he went the other way. And you look at the roster right now, Derek Lee acquired via trade, second base, who knows who's going to play there next year. Ryan Terrio actually was in the Cubs' system, a success story, but Took him till about 28 to get up there. Maybe the Cubs could have had him at the big league level a little earlier. Aramis Ramirez via trade, the outfield. Alfonso Soriano, 18 gazillion dollars to sign him. Centerfield Kosuke Fukudome, way too much money to sign him. So, Cubs need their farm system to start producing if they're ever going to make that 101 year nightmare go away. So, we'll talk with Brian about what's going on in the minor league system. He's with he's been with the Peoria Chiefs of the Single A level. And you can really break down uh, what's going on in minor league baseball. Which, of course, before Thanksgiving, you know, I always thought that would be an interest to at least be, if not nobody else out there. But the Cubs system hopefully will be producing something down the line. We uh also going to take a look at some of the NBA. And I want to talk about Allen Iverson, a guy who was just an absolute superstar in the league. He was a battler. Philadelphia 76ers took him to the finals and now just cast aside by the Memphis Grizzlies. Nobody wants him. Uh, we're going to talk with a guy by the name of Chris Raby, who used to host with uh, John Cohn and Joel Rodwanski. He would be a fill in there. Now he's working down in Memphis. So we're going to bring Chris in, talk a little bit of Allen and some NBA look and a whole bunch of stuff going on on the show. But first we uh, can go to our friend Ryan Marks, who is uh, in an airport doing a great job, about to take a flight to the Pan American Bronx a loser last night, 75-50 to 50 to Mississippi State, sitting at 0-5. But Coach Marks is going to turn this crew around. It's only a matter of time. And, and Rhino Ball, I appreciate you taking a moment with us before you head south. Or where are you heading?
2: Well, we are uh, headed back to Harlingen and back to campus today. And then we'll play the next two games in the South Padre Invitational on uh, Friday and Saturday. We play Tennessee Chattanooga Friday and then uh, depending on the outcome, either Longwood or Bassoon-Cookman on Saturday.
1: So you've got a little bit of a challenge in front of you here. we got a team that you're inheriting that's not overloaded in talent, if you will. Uh, you took it on the chin last night, 75-50 at a and a loss at Missouri by the tune of 100-44. to So you're remaking this uh, Pan-American group. But you've done this before, Coach. You've taken a 3-23 and Southern Vermont squad. You took them to the NCAA tournament. That had never been done before there. You did the same thing at St. Edwards University, three-time Heartland Conference champion. So this is nothing new to you rebuilding a program.
2: No, and there's a lot of different dynamics that go into it. To be honest, the higher you go in level, the longer it takes. And uh in Division 3 you're not bound by scholarships. So you can really, you know, replenish uh, your squad quickly and bring in new faces, upgrade the talent. Division Two, you can still get some difference makers more quickly because D1 transfers can play right away. You know, at this level, it's just going to take a little bit more time. And even this year, with the group we have, we'll certainly make progress. We had uh, one of those games at Missouri that was just kind of a stinker and we couldn't make a shot. And, you know, even the best of teams have some games get away from them uh, in, in a manner like that so obviously we need to make make progress we're not really ready for that type of competition level yet but we feel like you know we're starting to get to the point where we're familiar enough with each other that uh that this weekend we can make a good showing
1: now you are a chicago guy straight out of latin high school a three sports star guy who dominated behind the plate as a catcher could hit a jump shot on the wing also had a nice little touch on the soccer field uh is that accurate that you are the athletic type
2: <laughs> Depends on who you ask. When I envision it in my mind, I, I I always see myself that way, but uh I don't know that I resemble that remark.
1: Right. Well, coach, the rumors out there is that you are getting on the floor doing practice and uh giving effort, rebounding the basketball, leading the charge as the point guard, and quite frankly, you know, I've been around you at a Saint Edwards University and people did not see that. So this is kind of a new leaf for you leading the break.
2: <laughs> well, you know, I've had uh uh, I have had a couple of years to rest up and get healthy, so now I'm uh, I'm back to uh, I'm back to full force.
1: Do you find that enjoyable being out there on the floor with the fellows doing that type of stuff?
2: No, absolutely, it's fun. You know, I mean, I think that's uh, that's the core of what we do is to to try and teach and show guys and help guys help guys get better. Sometimes I'm showing things that I can't quite do at the speed that they can, but uh, this has been a good group. You know, your first year is uh, is always the greatest amount of teaching, and that's a uh, uh, that's a challenge but really a fun part of coaching
1: now looking at your staff you've got a former nba guy on there and Roderick rhodes played at kentucky played at usc was in the nba with the houston rockets uh are the are the players kind of looking up at him and saying you obviously know something about the game of basketball
2: well there's certainly a level level of credibility that you that you bring when you play at the, at the level that rod did and as well as he as well as he did but i think uh you know, being a good player doesn't always equate to being a good coach. I mean, Rod has, uh, you know, is in his fifth year of college coaching now and he's developed a great, a great coaching voice. So not only do guys look up to him because they know the level he's played at, but he has, uh, you, you know, he has the unique ability to convey that information in a way that, that becomes, um, you know, functional to our players. So we're extremely fortunate to have him. Have
1: with us, I want to ask you a question about a mid major in butler what do you what do you think separates Butler from other schools say in the Chicagoland area loyola u i c maybe even a depaul teams here that haven't been able to get over the hump, but they're doing something right at butler where consistently this school not you know not shouldn't be a super powerhouse but here now ranked tenth of 11th. they they're they're right in the mix what do you, what do you think they're doing so well there
2: well one they're they're a place that prioritizes basketball and they're in a obviously um, a basketball crazy state. Traditionally they've always you know they've had good programs through the years, but I think they, they've gotten to the point the last ten years where um you know they've they've hit that level of success um that continues to perpetuate itself. I think they have a distinctive style of play. They do an incredible job of identifying the right players um for their for their system. And so as a as a result, um you know they are just uh, uh, I don't want to say they have it on cruise control because they're certainly working very hard at it but you know they found the, they have found the formula of success that works works for them and I would, would anticipate that they'll continue to they continue to enjoy the success that they've seen the last five six years.
1: Well let's push into that Chicago thing you being a Chicago guy, UIC, Loyola DePaul Northwestern I know you have tremendous respect for Bill Carmody, for Jimmy Collins, for Jim Weitzel, for Jerry Wainwright. What is it, is it the, the fact that Chicago's not a big college town, or how do you break it down that, that the teams in, in town have not had more success?
2: Well, I think each of them have have a completely different set of challenges. Um, so, you know, the fact of the matter is right now it's probably not the high point of college basketball in Chicago. I don't think there's a, a correlation between um, any of them not being at their pinnacle at this um at this point, I mean, obviously this year, you know, was, was, you know, developing to be possibly the the best year ever in Northwestern basketball. And they're hit by the, by the injury bug. Um, you know, UIC has had, has had very good seasons. If you look at them, obviously they're not off to a great start, but uh, you know, over the last 10 years, as far as the majors are concerned, have, have had a lot of success. And, um, you know, I think Loyola's off to a good start again. They were, they were very young last year, and they picked up a, a couple of good wins. But you know, each of those places have their own uh, have their own recruiting challenges, and uh, uh, you know, different dynamics relative to the the leagues they're in. But I think that those uh, those programs are all are all capable of being successful, and I think uh, we're certainly going to see success uh, in Chicago. You know, the Chicago area college teams both this year and in the future.
1: Ryan Marks in the
2: airport. What airport are you in right now? Well, I just got on uh, the Southwest flight, headed from Birmingham to Houston.
1: Were you in the B group, the C group? Did you get front row A group?
2: A group. We had a couple guys oversleep at the hotel tonight, and so we're, we're checking in a little uh, a little late.
1: Did you make them do push-ups? Anything like that going on, airport push-up? Not a bad look? He
2: might, he might. Maybe as we uh, change planes in Houston, he might a little calisthenics there in the terminal.
1: Well, let me, let me give you one more question, let you go here, coach. I want to ask you about the Big Ten. You got Michigan State ranked second in the country. You've got Purdue. You've got Ohio State. You've got Illinois. You've got Minnesota. They're all ranked. Michigan is number 15. Do you think the Big Ten is the best conference in college basketball?
2: Well, I, uh, I think it could be right there. I think, you know, as, as the year plays out, we'll see, we'll see more. And I haven't gotten to see all those teams play yet, but, um, there's a little bit I have seen. I think that they can certainly make a, make a strong case. Uh, the ones that I've seen a little bit more so far this year are Michigan State, uh, Purdue and Minnesota. And all those teams, um, all those teams look terrific. I think Minnesota might not be a team that, that people have seen as much yet, but, uh, I can tell you that they are really fun to watch and very, very good. And I thought Purdue made a terrific statement, uh, with a great win the other night. Uh, over Tennessee, so um, things are are shaping up that the Big Ten could well be the best conference in the country.
1: Ryan Marks, the best young coach in all of college basketball. He's now on the D1 level at the University of Texas Pan American. We're announcing you on two guys and a mic, Coach. We know how big you're going to be, and uh, best of luck down there, and it's only a matter of time before you turn that program around. We're looking forward to it.
2: Thanks this time, Mark. Appreciate it. Glad to be with you. That's
1: Ryan Marks. We're going to let him go get on his flight, and... Uh... A first-class guy, he's really a guy that you have to respect because he's worked his way up six years as an assistant coach at Northern Illinois University. Then he went to Southern Vermont College. First, that team was 3-23, and ripped him into the tournament, took St. Edward's University from 6-21, and three straight Heartland Conference championships, and now on the D1 level. Maybe he'll make it to this town as a head basketball coach someday. We'll take a quick break. We're going to talk Bears football next with John Christ of the Bear Report. That's next on Two Guys in twoguysandamike.com. Take off.
0: Back to two guys and a mic. Your mid-morning break sports talk show. Once again, here's the coach, John Cone, and the
1: coach getting the day
0: off. Mark Carmen sitting in on two guys and a mic
1: at talkzone.com, and we are pleased to be joined by a man who knows the Chicago Bears better than anybody on the planet, John Christ of the Bear Report at thebearreport.com. And Johnny, thanks for taking a moment for me here. I'm looking at your site right now. you got Khalil Bell up there. What kind of player do the Bears have in the rookie running back? And I'm going to ask you, as all Chicago fans got excited, actually see a running back run in a forward direction for more than 50 yards. That was exciting. Do you like this young man?
3: Yeah, I think I like what I see of Khalil Bell so far. Uh, Actually, last week was the first time I got a chance to see him in person because uh, he was signed after the regular season began to the practice squad. And as you know, media does not have access to practice during the regular season. But uh, I did some consulting with one of the UCLA beat writers who covered this kid for four years out in Los Angeles. And uh, he thinks that he is one of these guys who just works really hard. He wasn't really recruited that highly out of high school. Uh, He was actually originally a fullback uh, with the Bruins, had to work his way into the starting lineup. He's one of these guys who's sort of been doubted his entire career, but he brings a physical element to the running game that really has been missing for the Bears lately. And uh, I'm not saying he's going to supplant Matt Forte anytime soon, but if you can get him a series here and there uh, once in the first half, maybe once in the second half, at least you can keep Matt Forte fresh for the rest of the season and maybe change things up with that offensive line that struggled so much.
1: Now you're a guy that knows more about Bears football than anyone on the planet, as I've already mentioned But before the season started, I don't know if you recall this conversation, but I told you that I did not think Matt Forte belonged number 2 in the fantasy draft, and you were adamant that Matt Forte was going to be a superstar. Are you shocked? And will you apologize to me and say, you know what, Carmen, you were right for one time on football, and I was wrong.
3: I remember the conversation. I appreciate the I told you so right here on your airwaves. No problem. uh, Yeah, of course. uh, You're good like that. But uh, you know what? I am very surprised, and I don't think Matt Forte is at fault here entirely. You have to fault him to some degree because there's lots of great running backs over the years that have put up incredible numbers offensively without the benefit of a big all-pro blocking five in front of them. And obviously the Bears really thought they had the offensive line straightened out. And when you bring in guys like Orlando Pace to play left tackle, you got your former first-round pick Chris Williams at right tackle, you think you've got a potential left guard transition guy in Frank Mayel. The Bears have pretty much gone 0-3 so far, so uh, that has been a tough deal to work with for Matt Forte, but he's not quite hitting the holes as hard as you'd expect, and top-tier running backs really need to do something on their own and make people miss from time to time, and for a guy that's averaging 3.3 yards per carry, he's obviously not doing that. He's doing what he can with the limited opportunities he gets. Uh, he's catching some balls out of the backfield, but... Another thing to consider is you know, the Bears have been behind 10 nothing, 21 nothing in the first half, seemingly every single week. So, so that makes it very, very difficult to commit to that running game. And uh, I do think Matt Forte is a really good player for the future. But in terms of being an elite, special type of back, like the Bears will see in Minnesota this week, uh, no, he's not that type of player.
1: There's no uh, question about it that the uh, Bears have... It's, it's been an uphill battle. You can't put it all on Matt Forte. I'm not, I'm not trying to do that. Let's talk about Ron Turner with a lot of hubbub going on are the bears going to make a move with their offensive coordinator how much of the offense's fault are you laying at his doorstep
3: he certainly deserves a good amount of the blame not entirely because at the end of the game, at the end of the day you know players have to play and right now the bears just are they're not making enough plays you got receivers not getting open you got offensive linemen not blocking well and you got Jay Culler who's not been throwing the football entirely well i i find it difficult to blame Ron Turner uh, this past Sunday night against the Eagles, because he draw, he drew up three touchdown passes, one to Olson, one to Hester, and one to Johnny Knox that were simply you know misfired by Jay Cutler. So that's not necessarily his fault, but uh, he's in the last year of his contract, and you know after all the you know ballyhoo of bringing Cutler in from Denver, you're assuming this could potentially be a top ten offensive unit and you're still going to dawdle down there in the 20s or something, I, I find it remarkable if, there, if there's any way Ron Turner can save his job. I, I don't think he deserves to be the scapegoat necessarily, but a fresh approach with both coordinators going forward is probably going to be an easy fix for Levy Smith if he holds on to his job himself uh, getting ready for 2010.
1: Well, let's ask then, what do you think happens to Lovey?
3: You know what, I, I've been saying it for a month now that I, I really think it's going to take a monumental collapse uh, for the Bears to get rid of Lovie Smith. I, I know there's some rumor stuff going on out there this morning, courtesy of the Sun-Times, saying that the Bears, above Jerry Angelo, have at least put some feelers out there to see what it would cost and who might be available for both GM and head coach. And uh, I don't think that's necessarily earth-shattering news. Not when you've got Mike Shanahan on the sidelines and Mike Holmgren and Bill Cower. The list goes on and on. That That doesn't surprise me, but... With 11 million dollars due left on Lovey Smith's contract, and, and coming from a mom and pop organization that does not like to write big checks to run people out of town, you know, I.E. Dick Duran, I.E. Dave Wanstead, I, I think the Bears would have to crumble to like six and ten for Lovey to be out of town. If, if it's another you know seven and nine, eight and eight, you know, middle of the road kind of thing, I believe he'll be back.
1: I don't think they're going to do any better than six and ten though. I'm almost uh, thinking and I know that they, they have some games on the schedule, St. Louis, that they can win, but losing out is not completely out of the question, is it?
3: It's not out of the question. With six games left, they'll be lucky to be favored in two of those games. I mean, they have the god-awful Rams at home at Soldier Field, and then they travel to Detroit in Week 17 in a game that's obviously not going to mean anything. Those are the only games they are going to be favored. they still got two with the 9-1 and Vikings. They've got to play the Packers again at home. They have to travel to Baltimore, although their record is not as good as it should be. That's a pretty good-looking football team. So, uh, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all if this team ends up, you know, 5-11 and or something like that. But, uh, again, if you just look at the history of this Bears organization, I just, this is not Daniel Snyder. This is not Jerry Jones. You know, this is, again, a mom-pop organization, and I just can't see them writing an eight-figure check to say thanks, it's been great to love you, and get him out of here.
1: Jay Cutler, the elephant in the room that we haven't talked about, were you in favor of the trade, A, and B, is it accurate to say that in 10 games the Bears have completely killed this guy's confidence?
3: I think that's going too far. Uh, I do think we saw hints of that uh, this past week against the Eagles, because you know one of the things that Jay Cutler does remarkably well is not only does he have the cannon attached to his right shoulder, but he's remarkably accurate on those deep balls. And to, to see him you know, miss those passes to Olsen and Hester and, and Knox, you know, plays that probably would have been touchdowns last year if he's thrown them to Brandon Marshall and Eddie Royal, uh, that certainly hints that uh, he's not the player that he once was. He's having trouble adjusting to the system. He doesn't have a lot of confidence in the players around him. Uh, I don't think it's irreparable. But I do think some changes need to be made, and I do think he's been hamstrung and handcuffed to some degree. I mean, I, I'm in favor of the deal. I, I would probably do it again if I were a Bears front office guy. I do think they give, gave up a whole heck of a lot. But when you can bring in potentially a top-ten franchise quarterback and you can get him for a fairly decent price, you have to make that trade because those players flat out aren't available. This guy was, you've been missing a quarterback for 50-some years. You had to make that deal. It just hasn't worked out through 10 games the way everyone hoped it would.
1: John Christ of the Bear Report, Bear Report Magazine, bearreport.com. Check it out. Tommy Harris, hurt or doesn't want to play football?
3: Uh, I think Tommy definitely has some motivation problems. You know, I, I don't think that's necessarily because he was rewarded with a four-year, $40 million contract two summers ago, uh, because if you look a little closer at that contract, it's primarily backloaded with roster bonuses and things like that which is one of the reasons why it wouldn't cost much for the Bears to get rid of him. But uh, I think that there is some problems with that knee. I mean, the knee and the hamstring, the injury he had in December of 2006 was a catastrophic injury. We're talking about a shredded knee, and on top of that, you had to surgically reattach the hamstring to the bone, which is a very, very rare injury for a football player. It's more the type of thing you might see with a gymnast. So uh, is it possible that, you know, he's, Permanently damaged is never truly going to be the same. Yes, that's absolutely possible. But I have a problem with Tommy where he has such a great game in San Francisco. He proves that he's capable of still being a dominant force. But why did it take a benching in Week 7 against the Bengals? And why did it take an ejection in Week 9 against the Cardinals to get this guy motivated? I think his head is in the wrong place right now. And because of that, it wouldn't shock me at all if he's no longer a bear in 2010.
1: Thanksgiving tomorrow, want to end on a positive. note. things to be thankful for. And one positive for the Bears this year, the fifth-round draft pick, Johnny Knox. Now, he hasn't been catching as many footballs lately as he did early in the season, but a dynamic player on special teams. You've you got to like this kid.
3: You have to like this kid, absolutely. And uh, that, that, he certainly is a building block for the future. I don't know if he's the kind of guy you're going to build an offense around. I don't think he's going to end up catching 70 or 75 passes one day. But as your number three receiver, a guy who can come in and stretch the field, you know, catch those short passes and potentially make some explosive plays, in addition to what he's done as a kickoff return man, he's been very good there. Yes, he's absolutely a building block going forward. But until the Bears get themselves a big, strong, tough, physical receiver that can make plays in the red zone, you're going to keep seeing what we've seen the last couple of weeks, and that's Jay Culler forcing the ball to Greg Olson down there towards the end zone because he's the only guy who can create a mismatch. But if he's the only one, that's why you're seeing some of those turnovers.
1: Just to wrap it up here, so one year from now, you think Lovey Smith is the head coach of the Bears and you think that Ron Turner is gone and maybe a Mike Martz is the offensive coordinator?
3: If I was a betting man and some people at the horseshoe would tell you that I am, <laughs> uh, I would say Lovey Smith is your head coach, a uh, new offensive coordinator, maybe even a new defensive coordinator, and get those play-calling duties away from Lovey, so we can go back to being more the CEO type. And uh, yeah, that's that's probably what I'm seeing going forward. If I had to guess, whether it's going to be Mike Martz, I'm not quite sure. This is a guy who's known as sort of a madman and a genius on offense, but he also burned out really quickly in detroit and san francisco so i'm not quite sure how great his relationship is with lovey right now even though they were on the same staff in st louis a while back
1: john chris to the bear report get in your car drive safely up to hell Hall, break something down you're the best in the business my friend all right buddy good talking to you that's john chris we'll take a quick break and we're going to do some handicapping of the nfl in just a moment we're going to look at the thanksgiving days andrew greenwald andy grizz the handicapping whiz is with us next on two guys and a mic on thetalkzone.com.
0: Lines are open for your calls on Two Guys and a Mic. Call 888-GO-FOR-IT. Once again, here's the coach, John Cone.
1: Coach with the day off, Mark Carmen sitting in. It is Two Guys and a Mic on thetalkzone.com. 888-463-6748. 888-GO-FOR-IT. Tim Bach doing an outstanding job producing this program, taking about three Advil a minute listening to me, and I do appreciate that. It's not a, you know, that's normally it's four. Tim's only going with three. Andy Grizz, the handicapping whiz, Greenwald, is on the line. Nobody knows the NFL. Nobody knows college football. Nobody knows the Little League Diamond better. He'll bet on those games as well. Grizz, appreciate you being on with me. Happy Thanksgiving to you.
4: You too, Carm. Glad to be here. And I'll just have you note that I, I... I bet on those Little League games if I don't get kicked out of them first.
1: You know, you got to have something on the line that makes it a little more entertaining. you got to do that on the down low with the Little League, but that that's, uh, you know, I, I support that move. You're, uh, you're a guy who likes to uh, make a wager, let's put it that way, and you have a, a distinct way of going about it. Kind of explain to the fans out there how you how you break down a football game. I know you're a trend guy.
4: I am a trend guy. One One of the trends that we've kind of developed here ourselves or a basic theory we have is that uh, basic theory in, the, theory in the NFL is that teams are, no, are not as bad as their last loss or not as good as their last win, and we just kind of try to stick to that. We feel that over time, you know, the odds make it an even game, and, and so teams should basically cover the point spread about half the time. And, and when they start covering too many times in a row or losing too many times in a row, you should be able to try to look the other way and gain an edge there.
1: So you're a fade guy. Is that fair to say like if, if, when I look at uh, people making predictions online, if I see seven people betting on the Lions and they're playing the Bears, I'm taking the Bears. I want to I want to go the opposite direction. The public does not know what's going on. Uh
4: yeah, absolutely the public doesn't know what's going on, but it's we're, we're more or less instead of fading the public, our, my thought process is, you know, kind of the same thing. You get a team that's been covering, the public basically thinks that they're better than they are. And uh you know, you just try to play the other way on that. You look for you look for matchups with uh, teams that haven't covered the spread versus teams that have covered the spread, and you can really gain an edge there.
1: Big turkey day tomorrow, Green Bay in Detroit, Oakland, and Dallas. The Giants and Denver used to be two games on Thanksgiving. Now we're getting three, I think, in about five years. We'll have ten games on Thanksgiving. Who do you uh, – give me your number one selection tomorrow.
4: My number one selection tomorrow would be Denver, um, with, with the caveat that, that Kyle Orton is playing – um, everything I've read is is he's practiced yesterday and supposed to practice today and, and will be playing. Uh, they're a team that hasn't covered the point spread in four consecutive weeks and are getting six. as They've been much as seven at home. So that would be my number one play tomorrow.
1: Do you have a number one play for the weekend that you'd like to pass along?
4: My number one play for the weekend, and, and I hope it's not an obvious one, I don't think it is, is, is the New England Patriots getting three points on Monday night.
1: New uh, England getting three on Monday night. Break it down. Why do you like it?
4: Uh, I, I love I love New England. Anytime you get them as an underdog, we had them uh, two weeks ago against the Colts. Same type of situation indoors on national TV. Bill Belichick is 32, 18 and one as an underdog as a, as a head coach in the regular season.
1: That is impressive. And they
4: also uh, they also have a six game winning streak on Monday Night Football. The Patriots.
1: Do you like any other? Uh, how many games do you play on an average weekend?
4: Well, I, you know I, I don't really wager on them a lot, but I do. You know I am in 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 one situation or pool where we pick five games you have to hit all five against the spread to win we actually did it two weeks ago um so anywhere from five to ten would would be the would be the number
1: how do you break down the bears and the vikings 315 in the metrodome on sunday
4: um you know the bears have just been struggling i was there sunday night i'm an avid fan uh the simplest way to look at it is to, to basically my theory here the bears haven't covered the point spread in i believe three games four games uh, Minnesota in their last three games have uh, two wins and a tie against the spread. Anytime you can get a multiple point spread loser against a multiple point spread winner, you play it. Uh, this year, that type of situation is ten and five against the point spread. So I just think you, if you take the game, you take the Bears, but it's it's, it's a tough situation.
1: Andy Grizz, the handicapping whiz Greenwell, joining us on two guys in a mic. Do you play? And well, okay. If you were a gambling man, let me rephrase. Would you play the NFL more, college football, baseball? What's, what's your, what do you think is the easiest games that I know there's nothing easy to bet on?
5: I
4: actually think the easiest games to bet on is college basketball. Um, I know there's a lot of people that subscribe to, to baseball because you don't really lay, lay points, but I think college basketball, if you want to go from just a following the game standpoint, uh, you get to see a lot of games, and, and I think you can... There's a lot of trends in basketball that I think you can play on, like Duke being good early. Uh, you know, home teams, home underdogs. I, I just think it's easier, but it's not something I do a lot. I, I like the NFL.
1: Important to give this message out, of course. He who gambles lives in shambles. That's right. And uh, never bet anything that makes you nervous. Uh, did you learn that at a young age, or, or were you a guy that had to uh, pick that up through the course of time?
4: You know, my father told me, don't do anything where you give an extra 10% every time you're not right. <laughs> that and and alf who said anybody that bets on an nba game is, is a lunatic
1: now do you play when you go super bowl do you play a lot of the prop bets keep it interesting or are you more like a no. guy that goes you know gets a square and uh eats a bag of chips and is happy
4: i'm a i'm an occasional square guy i love to i do like betting on the super bowl i've been pretty good at it and actually two years ago we had the giants to win straight up that was one of my favorite uh favorite games and bets that i've had so that's Always bet on the Super Bowl. You gotta.
1: Andy, I yeah. know I know you're a busy man, but I, I want to delve into one slightly serious topic here. What about the gambler getting to the college athlete who's not going to play in the NBA, not going to the NFL, and you know can maybe affect the game a little bit? And hey, I'll give you twenty five thousand dollars or whatever it is. Do you have you? Is there any stories you could relay? And how do you keep these guys away from the college athlete? Because I'm sure that's a big time temptation for some of these kids.
4: Boy, I don't know. I mean, I think all you can do is stress it uh, as a coach. You know, stress the ramifications of it. You can have your life ruined over it. Um, certainly, it would obviously end your playing career. Um, but boy, I don't know. Besides, as a coach, or even a even a school, or maybe even the NCAA, should should go around and, and have uh, you yes. know clinics with each team or discussions with each team, just like they do in Major League Baseball and all the other sports about. Uh, You know how you can ruin your life doing that. How you can get get in a hole deep with people like that.
1: Good answer to an awkward, weird question that I threw out there. But I just wanted to, uh, you know, we gotta we gotta hit spray to all fields here. I think it's important to touch on that when you when you delve into gambling. All right, Andy, anything uh, anything on the docket tonight? We got an NBA pick. Have you looked at that?
4: No, I haven't looked at the NBA tonight. I I uh, no, I I don't have anything. I know kind of lean towards West Virginia this weekend in college football. Okay. Um but uh, I am pretty much an NFL guy. I got uh, a few good games for this weekend, but uh you never know. You certainly never know.
1: Okay, just recapping here, your your top play on Thanksgiving once again?
4: Uh that would be Denver, getting six at home from the New York Giants.
1: Denver getting six. All right, we're gonna follow it, Grizz, and I'm, and we'll uh we'll mark it down and we'll and we'll bring you back.
4: Excellent. Look forward to
1: it. All right, Andy, have a great day. Happy Thanksgiving. You too, buddy. Andy Grizz the handicapping whiz greenwell joining us. Or joining, or leaving us now, I should say, on Two Guys in a Mic. It's thetalkzone.com. We're back in a minute. 888 463 6748 is the phone number. I'm Mark Carmen. This is Two Guys in a Mike.
0: For your calls on Two Guys and a Mike, call eight 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 Go for It. Once again, here's the coach, John Cone, and once again the coach with the day
1: off. Coach getting a, heard um, he got a Manny and a Petty, and then he was going in for a little uh, wax job, and uh, looking good. Coach is uh, going to be hot for Thanksgiving. It's going to be a nice little time with his wife. Here's another guy on the line who used to host with the coach on the morning break. He's a WGN guy. Now he's down in in Memphis. He's hosting talk shows. Maybe like the biggest superstar out of college right now going, Chris Ravey.
5: I don't know about all that, Mark. You, uh... Make me sound a lot more ambitious than I might actually be.
1: Well, you are a guy that does appreciate a good boat shoe, likes a uh, a forty of a Miller High Life every now and then. But your success story is one that should be told. You're a guy that uh, clearly was on his. <laughs> Don't
2: honest. jinx me, Mark. Don't jinx me.
1: <laughs> well, you were on your last legs, and you came in and at uh, good old WGN Radio, and and you you begged a, a Carmen to do an internship, and the next thing you know, you're 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 launching yourself. So tremendous work by you. I'm very proud of you.
5: I was well. Thank you. And I was definitely taken under uh, a sturdy wing. Any sturdy wings at WGN, but uh, not sturdier than yourself, Mark.
1: Well, let's be honest. You ran the show when you were there, and you did a great job doing it. Now you're down in Memphis here. What what is the radio station that you work for?
5: Uh, Five sixty, Sports fifty six, the voice of the fan.
1: So you're learning to be a southerner. Is that correct?
5: Yeah, you know, um, and some of my tendencies, and especially some of my wardrobe choices, that maybe came under a bit of scrutiny from a Mark Carman at are, you know, a little bit more embraced by the folks down here. And, uh, you know, it's definitely different being in the South, especially being at a sports station, the way that the station operates and the, the things the fans care about. First and foremost, it's all SEC football. That's 12 months a year. That's what we are. That's what we talk about. That's what people care about, which is, you know, so much different from Chicago where it's the professional team. Nobody here really cares about professional sports as much as they care about college sports.
1: Now, would you say that this is natural for you to be a big SEC guy? Have you always you know, sort of felt like you're a part of that conference, or is this a big-time change?
5: Definitely a change. I mean, growing up, I didn't really have a big college allegiance. Uh, My dad went to Georgia Tech. um, He did? Yeah, I was involved in uh, baseball there, so I was kind of... uh, kind of lean toward Georgia Tech a little bit, but and, you know, always liked Northwestern, always liked Illinois a little bit. But then I went to Mizzou, kind of got into the Big 12, and um, especially, you know, the BCS was getting real big when I was, I mean, not not to date myself here and how young I might be, but uh, the BCS was kind of just coming under fire when I was finishing high school and getting into college, so that's when I started to follow that. But uh definitely didn't know that much about the FCC or Conference USA, which is uh, what Memphis University is a part of, so that was definitely a learning curve. But it, it's been great to be a part of it, and you know, it's it's not hard to get into the FCC because teams are so good. Um, I mean, I had a chance to get onto to the Ole Miss Alabama game earlier this year in Oxford when uh, Alabama was you know ranked second and Ole Miss was in the top ten, and that was just unlike anything I've ever been a part of. I mean, I love me some Wildcat Alley at, uh, at Ryan Field, <laughs> but this this you know. Obviously, blew anything I had ever been to out of the water.
1: Well, give me a breakdown then, Big Eleven and O Alabama. Do you like them more than the Gator, the Eleven and O Gator? That should be. Uh, that's going to be a great game.
5: Yeah, you know, right now, and we get, we ask this a lot on a, on our show. Um, just a quick plug: I, I I'm a part of uh, produced the Sports Bar Monday through Friday, three to six on Sports Fifty Six. But we ask a lot, and we've asked almost every week right now. If Alabama and Florida were to play on a neutral field, what would the line be, and who would win the game? I I think, I think just because the way Vegas would set it up, Florida would probably be a one and a half or two point favorite. But I, I really think Alabama would win. Their defense is so good. Their defense is so deep, and I just haven't seen the explosiveness and, you know, the high scoring that uh, we've seen out of Florida in the last two Tim Tebow years.
1: Chris Raby, Chicago guy, now working in Memphis. Raby, let's uh, talk about the scene down there, women-wise. Now, how would you break down the female in Memphis to the female, say, in Chicago? Now, you had some moderate success up there. Would you say that your success with women is on the uprise? Or would you say that it's a tougher woman down there? I'm I'm fascinated.
5: Well, first of all, I'm not here to talk about the past, Mark. So um, (laughs) we're not going to talk about any uh, any conquest for Raby or Mark Carmen up in chicago i will say that i've i've met some very nice people here i've met some very lovely girls and um having a good time getting to know people it's weird when i moved here i I got the job offer i came down i literally knew no one not not a soul um knew one or two people from friends of friends that went to mizzou but knew no one and you know it's it's weird it's kind of hard. It was. Not hard because I was working a lot and still am working a lot. Uh, Got to stay on my grind. But
1: Raby, enough with the dance around. Get to the point. What is the? What are the women like? The women down- are
5: very good looking. Very good looking. <laughs> Southern brawls. If uh, if a Mark Carman goes for that.
1: What do they and, wear? Um, is it is it a skirt more than a jean or is it a t- I mean, break that down. Really get me excited here, Chris. I'm looking for some excitement here.
5: Well. All right, I'll tell you this. When I went down to Oxford for the Ole Miss-Alabama game, oh my god, going to the Grove, tailgating in the Grove, it was like I said, like nothing I've ever been a part of before. <laughs> like we're, we're talking girls in full prom dress. we're, sun dresses, we're sundresses everywhere you look, and it was kind of an overcast day, a little chilly, maybe you know, 55 degrees. I was wearing a coat, like I was wearing a fleece. And these girls are still prancing around in sundresses, and uh, they work very hard to look good. And it pays off because they do look very good. No, and uh, you... that's, that that's uh, been something that has
1: been enjoyable. Well, in your ultimate dream, would you want to end up with the southern chick over the midwestern girl? You know, or would you say that you're more of a, just a hardcore fleece looking? You want a girl in a in a baseball cap? You don't like that southern prissy look.
5: What is hardcore fleece
1: looking here? Well you're a guy that's just I you're have a gr- no you're, idea what that You're means. a grungy guy, you wear a boat hey, shoe.
5: What are you talking <laughs> about am grungy?
1: You're a flat out grunge dude. You wear a you wear a fleece, you throw a boat shoe on. You're not looking for a girl that's all dolled up, whereas what you're painting down there, you're saying they work very hard. That's not you, Chris Raby. You could try to be whoever you want to be on this show right now, two oh, guys in a m- You should
5: see you should see me hit the town. You should see
1: me. Do you spike up the hair?
5: No. There's not an ounce of hair gel below south of Joliet, Illinois.
1: Okay. So have, have you put on a a, uh, a cowboy hat? You done anything like that?
5: No, Carmen, this isn't like, we're not in Amarillo, Texas, all right? This is the Mid South. It's, it's just, it's different.
1: What about the food? Can you break, uh, is the mac and oh, cheese better of, down there?
5: Lots of barbecue. I haven't had the mac and cheese. Lots mm-hmm. of barbecue. Lots of, um, you ever a, like dry rub
1: i i love a dry rub on a rib nothing better
5: lots of a dryer lots lots of dry rub you need to uh you need to come down and experience it. there's actually um this is interesting the food at like there's um, uh, i actually live right next to the minor league ballpark the memphis Redbirds uh park where they're the triple a affiliate for the cardinals uh that ballpark and football stadium where the University of Memphis plays and then the FedEx Forum where the Grizzlies and the Memphis Tigers basketball teams play, the concessions are so much different than you'd find in Chicago, which I was baffled by because, you know, food is one of the things that I'm very concerned with in life. So, when I got down here and every everything is barbecue. Everything is barbecue. Like, you go to a Grizzlies basketball game and they put Pulled pork on top of your standard nacho. I
1: don't know or if like I'm into bad luck.
5: But like pulled pork on a hot dog. It's Pull. unbelievable. It's unbelievable.
1: You can't get enough pulled pork, though. Outstanding yeah, look. Good pulled I know. pork.
5: But, um, you know, I've, I've been a bit, uh, uh, you know, not out of touch with the Chicago sports team, but obviously not following it as closely as I did. How excited are people up there for Marion Hossa to play tonight, to suit up? I think... I know Mark Carman can't get enough
1: hockey. I do love my Blackhawk hockey and I, and they are on, on a roll here. Seven straight. Hosts are coming in. Uh, I know that Dale Talon is extremely excited about it. He was out at the Bears game the other night and he thinks that Hosts is just gonna, I mean, make a dynamic presence on the ice. The Blackhawks are the story in town, or at least they will be eventually once the uh, negative Bears thing fades to, uh, to black and you've got the Bulls who are gonna be battling to be 500. One thing before I let you go here, I know you gotta go to work. Allen Iverson, did you get in front of him at all, and and uh, what was the reaction to him down there? Because I you know, know that he's was... he's long gone now.
5: You know, it was it was so strange. Um, he came down here. He was doing all this tweeting. This was in you know September before training camp, saying that God chose Memphis. And I mean, let's be honest, this was really his only play. Yeah, I Memphis mean... was pretty much the only place he could go. Nowhere else was offering a con- him a contract. He comes down here, he signs for $3 million. They have this huge press conference, which they open to the public and let people from the public ask questions, all right? This is where the exploitation and the um, the PR wheel start spinning. So they bring him down here. It's this huge fanfare. He's the biggest player to ever play for the franchise. They make a huge deal out of it. He's on billboards. They're selling jerseys. They're selling more tickets. And they're saying this whole time that he might not start. And then he's going to have to go to training camp and battle with Mike Conley, who's um, you know kid out of Ohio State who's awful. I think he might be the worst point guard in the NBA. Um, so they get into training camp. First day of training camp, Allen tears a hamstring. Doesn't play for all of training camp. Uh, doesn't play for the first three games. Come back, Comes back in the fourth game. Plays 15 minutes the fourth game. 30 minutes the second game. 35 minutes the third game. Still isn't starting. Still is pissed off. Leaves the team when they're on the West Coast, when they're in Los Angeles, goes back to Atlanta. Then, um, you know, everyone figures his days are done. A week later, says that they're going to part ways and they're just going to get rid of his contract and uh, he's going, he's, they're going to waive him. And um, it, it was, it was just really bizarre. He was all he talked about, even when he was hurt, was that he's not a bench player. And you know, it's kind of like Alan, You know, this is going to happen. You didn't play for the entire preseason. You're going to start on the bench, and I was just kind of selfish. I was just excited to see Allen Iverson play every night because I think he's you know one of the one of the best players and one of the most dynamic scorers to ever play in the nBA so I was just excited to see him play every night and um didn't even get to see him play one home game, so that was kind of a bummer, but he's long gone. The grooves has won four out of five, and uh you know they're heading out to the West coast now to probably um get whipped around a little
1: bit. You know what's going to happen to Allen in about a month? Some contender's going to maybe sniff around him and pick him up, and he's going to say, you know what, I'm all about winning, and then yeah. he'll come and he'll come off the bench for them. It's unbelievable, these guys. What do you mean you're not a bench player? Kevin McHale went to the Hall of Fame as a bench player. You're old. You're past it. You're probably still going to play 30 minutes a night off the bench, get over it. It's amazing that no one ever matures, including myself. Ray, you, on the other hand, are a great mature, uh, very mature young man, and I give you tremendous credit for it.
5: Oh, well, that's very uh did you hear, very did, kind of you to say mark and uh i appreciate uh stopping by two guys in a mic this is you know i did the the morning break a few times but this is you know my debut appearance on two guys in a mic yeah. very very excited about it
1: i'm going to fax you down a read for andy's music you can do that in your sleep tonight andy's music that was a big time of chris Ravy, memphis success story appreciate you joining me on Two guys in a mic on the talkzone.com. Have a great day down in Memphis. Please uh, run into a pretty girl in a sundress and say hello to me for right. me. Good, Mark. All right, man. Chris Raby, he's uh, a fine young man doing a great job down there. Hosted this morning from 6 to 8 a.m. on 560 a.m. in Memphis. Let's take quick breaks. Two guys in a mic on the talkzone.com. 888-463-6748. We're going to talk some Chicago Cubs baseball to wrap it up here. 888-463-6748. 888. Go for it. Two guys and a mic on the talkzone.com. The nightmare that is the Chicago Cubs, 101 years and counting. And I thought just before Thanksgiving we would talk about their future and a guy who's been buried in the minor league system, has been working as hard as he can on the Peoria, the single-A level, Brian Beto, who also called the Illinois Wofford basketball game is on the line. It's Mark Carmen with you on Two Guys and a Mic on thetalkzone.com, 888-463-6748. Brian, happy Thanksgiving to you. Is there hope coming for the Chicago Cub?
6: You too, Marcus Carmen. Yes, there is a lot of hope coming for the Cubs. This is, I believe, I want to say the first time in my life, I'm only 24 years old, that I'm not completely embarrassed by the Cubs farm system. They have a ton of young talent coming up. Unfortunately, they're not right ready. And they're not a year or two. They're probably a couple of years away. But uh, you look up and down um, the organization, they're getting better. They're drafting better. The 08-09 draft, it's hard to, you know, see how well they pay off right away, but at least at this point, the 08-09 draft are two of the best drafts the Cubs have ever had. Uh, They got, you know, some emergence of some really young superstars that, you know, the public's finally starting to hear about. Uh, Starlin Castro is one of them, had a great Arizona Fall League, only 19 years of old, finished at Double A, played great there. And then the first-rounders from the last two years, Brett Jackson and Andrew Kashner, they've certainly put their name on the map to go along with Josh Miners, who I still believe is the best prospect in the Cubs.
1: Organization Corey Patterson, Sop, Choi, the list goes on and on. Of course, Felix they, PA. Felix <laughs> PA. Go, you want to? I'll we could just go one for one here. Uh, <laughs> there's plenty of guys who have never panned out. And Giovanni Soto was the rookie of the year two years ago, but then he went the other way last year. Ryan terry was a guy the Cubs probably didn't even know they had in their farm system, but somehow he's the starting shortstop today. Why should Cub fans be optimistic that the Starling Caster, when you pick up your baseball America publication, you see him on the front cover, why should we be optimistic that this guy is indeed the real deal? Um,
6: I I mean, I don't think you can ever know for sure whether or not the guy's are the for real deal until they get up to the base. But I mean all you can ask is that a guy succeeds at every level. I mean, you should mention Corey Patterson, uh, uh, for one. I mean, the guy never hit above 270 in double A or AAA, I mean. So, I mean, it's not like he was just tearing up the minor leagues. We just heard all the hype about him, and then he really never really performed. But all you can do is look at a guy's weaknesses and see if that's going to transpire to his major league career, and right now he really has, I mean, that hasn't been the case. Uh, he really doesn't have a lot of weaknesses so far to Starlin Castro, and um, I mean, I don't know if he's ever, he's being compared to Hanley or Ramirez by some. I don't know if that's ever going to be the case. I just um, don't feel that he's necessarily going to have the power that Hanley does, but uh, I mean, even if he does anything short of what Hanley can do, he's, He's. I think he should be the real deal, and the thing about the Cubs this year is, is that they have so many guys that they're bound to get one through the weeds and get them up to the that end up doing pretty well.
1: Now, you were at Peoria all season long. Who did you see down there that impressed you the most?
6: Uh, definitely Josh Bitters. He um, he was here for half the season. Uh, he's a guy, he has some fielding issues, which has been well documented. He does have a very strong arm, but he's got some fielding issues. But he's a guy that he can knock the cover off the ball. He'll hit for average. He'll hit for power. He had 12 home runs in one month in Peoria. That set the franchise record for that. Um, he, he's very aggressive early in the count. A lot of people look down on that, but he doesn't walk a lot. But he also doesn't strike out a lot either. He hits the breaking ball just as well as he hits the fast. Basketball. He's a good laid back kid. He's got a laid back attitude. He's one of those kids that's not going to let the pressure get to him. So I'd have to say him, Brett Jackson, the first rounder from this year, is a great athlete. He's got all the talent in the world. And then a guy that was kind of written off a couple of years ago. His name was Kyler Burke. He's the guy we acquired in the Michael Barrett trade um, a couple of years ago. Um, had a great season. He's like a manager's dream. He's a guy that, you know, he's the best discipline for a hitter I've ever seen in the minor leagues, and he'll go gap to gap. He has great speed. He's got a great arm in the outfield. He's just an all-around player.
1: Vito, I'm up against the clock here. You are the greatest. I hope you had a great call last night. (laughs) I know you did. We'll talk to you down the line here, my friend.
6: You too. You got it, pal.
1: (laughs) We'll see you, pal. All
6: right. Take care.
1: Brian Vito, Peoria Chiefs minor league expert. Great show today. I want to thank Ryan Marks, the head coach of... University of Texas, Pan American. John Chris with the bear report. Andrew Greenwell, Andy Grizz, the handicapping was Chris Raby down in Memphis, and Brian Vito. It's Mark Carmen. We'll see you next time on Two Guys and Mike on the